Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals it's funny I heard that back on yours right there. <laughs> and uh, Jennifer, it's lovely to meet you. And so funny, right before we got on, you're like, I'm creating a birth plan. I'm like, wait a minute. Let's just <laughs> jump right in. What are we talking about here? You know, like <laughs> Yeah, thank you for having me today. Of course. So tell me about this birth plan. Like what's uh Yeah, so I am um 30 weeks pregnant. Congratulations. And Thank you. And um, it's my first go around on this. And I actually have on Saturday, we have a, our first prenatal class, which is about labor and delivery. So I'm sure I'll be um, sufficiently traumatized uh, by then. And um, so, yeah, I was researching what happens Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that I could write down questions, but then also start writing down my preferences to see if you know, the hospital we're having it at is kind of aligned with, um, Mm -hmm. with what we want. So yeah, learning way more than I probably want to, but that I need to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't know me, but, uh, my wife has been a labor and delivery nurse for like 20 something years. So if you have any questions, just bring them this way (laughs) and the Parkers will tell you all about it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, interesting. I mean, I think the whole thing, like throughout the whole pregnancy, as well as, you know, now that I'm kind of focused on what happens at delivery, but also, you know, the more important part, like the after part, um, I think what I have just found really fascinating is just the, really the whole physical and mental change throughout pregnancy and then motherhood. And I, I just, I think it's, it's so fascinating that really, you know, once you start digging in, like we all know, obviously your body creates a human being, but Mm. when, you know, you're looking through the, I have like two apps that I follow. I have, you know, the typical what to expect book that I've been reading, like things like that. But when you actually start reading through it and seeing week by week, what is actually happening? Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I just, I find it just fascinating. So I think, um, you know, a little bit is true for labor and delivery too. Like you don't realize it's that complicated until you, you know, actually read through all the process and all Mm -hmm. the options and, you know, decisions you have to make. Um, Cause I think originally I was like, well, I'm not going to do a birth plan. Like my birth plan is healthy baby, healthy mom like whatever it takes, which it's still at the end of the day, that's, you know, obviously the main goal and this could all go out the window if, if something needs to happen, but, but I didn't realize how many just decisions that Mm -hmm. you should think about ahead of time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. The, uh, and then you can read all these things and do all these things. I have a almost 11 year old daughter and the actual Mm -hmm. parenting part is just like, it's, it's never what you think it is. Right. Yeah, I know. I was, I had my baby shower this past weekend and, um, and within it, one of the games we play, cause normally like I hate baby showers. I think they're Mm. so boring. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like when I have, I've gone to so I'm 40 years old. So I've been to a lot of baby showers mm-hmm. and I always, that was like my least favorite thing to do out of the shower situation. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, if we're going to do games, let's at least do something kind of like fun. Like I don't want to be smelling diapers with like <laughs> chocolate in it. So I don't want to be trying Ooh. baby food. Like these no. are, I hate those games. So we did like a top 10 things that I like about being pregnant and then like top 10 things that I dislike about being pregnant. And one of the main, one of my very high on the list things I dislike are like these parental horror stories Uh, that, you know, as a first time parent, you get a lot of that. Like people are like, oh, it's your first time. Let me tell you how bad it's going to be. You're like, you know, I like to say like the first time parent is the only time you really have that like period of ignorant bliss mm-hmm. that like, just let us have that. Just let us have that <laughs> us like have a it. little longer. Right. You know, uh, because also you could like, you could sit here for the next hour and tell me about all the challenges and tribulations that you guys faced as sure. first time parent. And the thing is, is that I won't get it. Yeah. I won't get it. Like yeah. I've never been through it. It's going to go over my head. So like why bother? And instead <laughs> just let me, you know, focus on like the exciting part of it yeah. and the scary part of it. Sure. But yeah, I love this. I like how you've, you've thought this through Jennifer. You've really thought about it. <laughs> the honesty is, un- is very good. It's very good. <laughs> well, I only plan on doing this once. So I feel like, uh, yeah. You know, let's learn We're in the as same much boat. as we can. We're in the same yeah. boat. I'm an only time parent. There's one time only time parent. Yes. Okay. And how many people, when you said that, how many times have then said, you're going to want more, you're going to change your mind. Trust me. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yes, that's very true. Uh, I feel like my experience was like people were like not happy that I, we weren't having another like it was like offensive to them. It's right. Like, like oh, how could you just stop? At how once? could you? They need a brother or sister or something. <laughs> I was like, why don't you just mind your own business? Like, <laughs> if you want to have 10 kids, have at it. Like, yeah, don't worry about my situation. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I hate that. I've gotten probably that comment more than anything else where I'll yeah. be you know, they always ask, are you a first time? Is this yeah. your first? Which is fair. And I always say, which even that question is interesting because in a way it almost signifies there will be more, yeah. right? It's yeah. not, but it's like, so is this your first? And I'll say yes. And then I usually say, and only. Yeah. And immediately, like people just can't leave it at that. That's they just, crazy. Like they can't, they, it, they have to submit their opinion. And <laughs> And it doesn't matter who it is, like family, yeah. random people, like the cashier at the grocery store. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Everyone believes that you can't just have one. Like there, there's no way you're going to change your mind or to your point, you know, like they need more. And you're like, first of all, in this day and age, how do you afford like two, I know. three, four, <laughs> five, like this isn't like our parents where like my dad had eight brothers and sisters. Yeah. There is no way you could afford nine kids right now. Like no. in this society, like I'm looking at 
3000 a month for daycare. Like yeah. oh times that by God. nine. <laughs> oh yeah. I live in Chicago. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a lot. <laughs> My reaction was like, Whoa, <laughs> no, that's how I was too. I yeah, was like, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> and are they getting like a private chef that's going to Seriously. be creating the meals for them? Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> It's insane. Like we found one that was like a deal at like 2,400 a month. Oh, a deal. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And you're like for a newborn, like what, mm. what are you doing? Like, yeah. I wish someone would pay me $2,400 a month, to like change diapers <laughs> and watch them sleep. Um, but yeah, it's like times that by two, three, four, like it's, it's just unrealistic. It is. You know? It is. Um, and then and then let alone just, uh, you know, I, I am 40. So realistically, we were so blessed. Like this one has been very uneventful. Yeah. There's been no complications. There's been no issues. It didn't take us. It only took us like six months to get pregnant. Like yeah. this has been this knock on. I hope this is wood next to yeah, me. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, it's, it's been, you know, pretty easy. Sure. Um in the grand scheme of things. And I'm like, I feel like in this weird way, if I have, if I try to have another, which I would never do right away, because I mean, girl needs a break mm, in between, right? right? Like I'm not trying to be pregnant for two years straight. Um, <laughs> so it's like, wait a couple years to like toddler. So you don't have two newborns. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're looking at like 42, 43, trying to get pregnant. Yeah. And I just feel like it's at that point, you're almost like testing fate. And I'm almost asking for like hardships mm. that I don't, I don't want to have to go through, you know, yeah. um, yeah. that I'm just like, no. So I, I hate that pressure for, yeah. for a second kid. Cause you're like, we don't, we don't even know if that's possible. And like, there's just yeah. a lot of pressure to put pressure to have kids in general in our society, I think is just, um, it's a, it's a hard path because yeah, it's unbelievable. So many people, not just women, but like men, you know, with, I mean, they are, they contribute to having a kid too. Right. Yeah. And, and there's so many things that have to go right for a baby to actually be born. Yes that putting and that are completely out of your control that it's like putting pressure on anyone to have a kid is, is just so unfair i think because, it's insane actually yeah it's, uh, it's ridiculous it's like it's not yeah. like eating chips so you can only have you can't just have one i mean it's like right. it's not doritos yeah i mean what is this yeah, like? no it's like we're <laughs> we're just so thankful we're having one i'm yeah. like the day we told my parents that um that we were having that we were having one because they've been bugging me for at least 11 years to have a child. <laughs> been bugging you. Um, so when we told my dad, he was like, and, and we knew it was a girl right away because I'm older and they do the testing, you know, right away. Um, so we said, you know, we're having a daughter and he was like, oh, so for the first you can try or for the second one, maybe you can try for a boy. And I was like, Okay, I'm just gonna set expectations. Yeah. We're we're I'm like, I'm only 10 weeks pregnant right now. We're gonna set expectations. Yeah. There won't be a second. Also, no such thing as trying for a boy. Like you don't get to <laughs> um, I love the know. realism here. <laughs> like, straight shooter. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Especially when it comes to this, I'm like, no, like to your point, why don't you mind your business? Mind your business. Yeah. Um, like they wouldn't now, want you interfering in their life about it. No, oh, I wouldn't want not. that. They don't want my opinion. They don't <laughs> exactly. want me interfering. So I'm like, let's goes both ways. Here. Yeah, it works both ways. Uh, yeah. And now the big question is what's the name? Oh, and I see. It is intense line of questioning. <laughs> intense is an interrogation here. I mean, what is this? Like? There is like all four grandparents are asking great grandma's asking yeah. like, uh, they really were pressuring to, to do it in time for the baby shower. And I'm like, yeah. no. And they think we <laughs> are just lying and we have it and we're not saying anything. I'm like, no, no, we really don't. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no secret lists or anything like we really right. don't know yet <laughs> yeah this is refreshing okay. it's very refreshing you're like a very straight to the point person which i love <laughs> i feel like yeah. you're probably like this in a lot of things i don't oh, know yeah. but like and i think that's kind of what resonated with me when i reached out about kind of the the midlife aspect you're talking about i'm like yeah. oh this is going to be an honest conversation about midlife not some yeah. bullshit deal like yeah you know, it's like I want the reality. You know, I'm for I'm 44 and I, I, mm -hmm. I I've had these conversations with other people and I, I just I think they're interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. so I'd love to hear kind of your arc into, the, you know, thinking about midlife and how things have changed for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I recently released a book um, and I and I you know, started a podcast back in 2021 called like my almost midlife crisis. And that was truly because, you know, during the, during the pandemic, it kind of started back in 2020. And I'm sure like a lot of people, to be honest, no matter what your age was, um, during the pandemic, I think a lot of us, it was like this time of reevaluation and uh, really thinking about our lives and what was important to us. And and also just a greater sense of mortality, right? I mean, you know, when you're 21, for example, and, and you just think you're gonna live forever and and nothing's ever gonna hurt you, um, you know, it's very different when you're in your mid to upper 30s, you're closing in on 40s, you're in your 40s or your 50s, where you know that that's not the case. Um, and that actually time is precious and limited, right? There's like a switch there. Yep. Well, COVID in a way almost forced us all to really come to terms with that a lot quicker um, and like at a mass scale. And so I was one of those people, you know, we were, um, I've been in advertising for about 18 years and I was like starting to just really struggle with like motivating myself and like this career I've had passion for for so long I was like you know just questioning if that's how I wanted to spend the second half of my life and then I also was we were pushing back our wedding like multiple times which then pushed back family planning multiple times and it was like all these things at the same time and I remember one day I was sitting on our couch and I turned to my now husband and I was like I feel like I'm almost like I'm almost going through a midlife crisis. And that was really like the impetus of it, because then I started kind of looking up, you know, what is a midlife crisis? And it's and it's funny because like a midlife crisis sounds so negative, like it just sounds, you know, you automatically think of like 
going out and buying some sports car you can't yeah. afford or like cheating <laughs> on your spouse with someone like half your age, right? Like these really like disruptive and in a lot of cases, destructive behaviors. And so I think people in general, no matter what they're going through, like they don't want to call it a midlife crisis because like they don't want it that like label has a lot of baggage. But what I really found was that all a really midlife crisis is, is this, um, this desire for to make a change in some or multiple aspects of your life, right? And that could happen more than once in your life. It can happen earlier than midlife. It can happen later. Um, but the reason why it's so common at midlife is because that increased sense of mortality, right? So, so when then I started looking into that and I was like, well, that's exactly how I feel because I, I feel like, do I want to change my career? Like we're looking to change our lives in terms of having a kid, like all of these things. Um, and I was like, yeah, I think I kind of am. I think I kind of am going through that. And then fast forward, we got married, we got pregnant. And then when I was 13 weeks pregnant, I was actually laid off from my job, not related. I feel like everyone wants me to like sue the company. It's not related. Right, um, right. <laughs> Every, everybody, here comes everybody again. Literally, Ooh. like anytime I've mentioned it, people are like, Ooh, like that's a lawsuit. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, what? not everything is a lawsuit. <laughs> this has nothing to do with that. Right. Um, but I was, I was laid off and it was literally at that moment that I was like, I don't know what's next. Like I, you know, I, I could have just went and, and got another job at an agency in advertising that no problem. There's plenty of jobs available and I absolutely could have done that. But I was like, something was just telling me that no, like, that's not, that's actually not what you want, you know, and, and you can, but like, should you? Um, and then I kind of joked that, okay, now I'm not almost in a midlife crisis. Now I am because I just mm. literally don't, don't know what to do. Um, and, you know, I truly believe that the difference between the midlife crisis we hear about and maybe like a good midlife crisis <laughs> is taking time to self-reflect and actually understand what's driving that yearning for change before you make an action, right? And if you can do that, which is the hard part, but if you can do that, then I truly believe that, that it can be this really positive opportunity and time in your life that you can make really good changes that yeah. are going to help you have an even better experience in the second half. Yeah. So, I mean, should it be called a crisis? Yeah, I don't probably not. And honestly, like the, the label, like who cares? Like who, that's why I'm like, people don't have to call it a midlife crisis at yeah. all. Call it whatever you want like yeah or don't call it anything but it's basically like if you're feeling bored if you're like bored with your life like yeah. you're feeling like i need to make a change there's like this internal like antsiness and like mm -hmm. anxiousness that like 
something needs to happen, sure. like then that's all, that's all it is. Like, and it's fine. You don't, you can call it anything. <laughs> Let's give you it a sports call analogy. It turning 40. <laughs> just say like you're having, you're doing adjustments at halftime or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. exactly. You went into like, the locker room and you're like, coach, you gotta change show. this. Yeah. You got some time. Uh, before third quarter, yeah, like, you'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, I hope the halftime show is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like it doesn't even. It probably shouldn't be called crisis. Yeah. And I think that really at the end of the day, like with anything, I think the more that we talk about it, the yeah. more it becomes destigmatized. And of course, and you know, people can just like chill out and and realize this is super normal and yeah. and like give yeah. yourself some grace while you figure it out. All right, here's a deeper question, Jennifer. Okay. We're going to go deep here. Go with deep. the 20-year-old, what would the 20-year-old Jennifer think of the 40-year-old Jennifer? Yeah, you know, I I think she would be proud. The 20-year-old Jennifer was like, especially now as I'm about to become a mom, I'm like, oh my God, could you imagine if I was doing this at 20, 21? Like, <laughs> I'd be a mess. Um <laughs> I think, you know, the 20 year old Jennifer, I think was, uh, it's interesting because I think she also was a little lost because I, when I graduated college, I wanted to be the next Howard Stern. That was like, mm -hmm. that. I feel like that dates me <laughs> in and of itself. Like who wants to be Howard Stern? Anymore? <laughs> but, um, but like at the time I was like, that just seems like the best job ever. Like he just gets to say what he wants. He gets to fly all over the world, like be in movies, like do all of this stuff, interview people and like, just say whatever's on his mind and like get paid for it. That sounds yeah. great. Um, and then that didn't work out. So then I went into advertising and, um, and I went all in, I mean, I went all in. that was like my whole I identity, right? Like I, I worked my ass off and I, um, quote unquote paid my dues and for, for years. And I think, you know, I've just learned so much since then, which I think is the benefit of just growing up. Um, and the, the good side of aging is I think now at this point in my life, I'm much more, um, much more into like self-care, much more into putting myself first in really every situation. And that's, and that is something that I, I wish I probably would have learned much earlier right. in life. Um, but I think the 20 year old me would be thankful that I at least still have half of my life where I am practicing that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's just a good reflective question. You know, it's like, we're always like moving forward or thinking the future of what's happening now, but what about, you know, kind of these different versions of ourselves that have existed yeah. <clears throat> and as yeah, you get absolutely. deeper into it, you know? Yeah. I think one of my biggest lessons, like during COVID, like one of the biggest pivotal points on that self-care spectrum was, you know, I, my whole life I had prided myself in, I would always say like, no one's harder on me than me, mm -hmm. right? Like no one is harder. I'm hardest on myself. And what I was trying to say my whole life on that was that I've always really held myself accountable and 
I don't really let myself like slack off. Like I always have some goals I'm working towards, et cetera. Um, or I'm also a pretty self-reflective person. So if I respond to a situation in a way that I didn't, I'm like the first one to be like, you know what? I screwed up like that. Yeah. And I will, I will catch it usually before someone has to tell me, or if I don't, I'm, I'm not the person that's like, no, I didn't like, that wasn't me. Like I'll yeah. automatically be like, oh shit, I didn't. Yeah. That is not what I meant. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, but I, but I always had this thing, like I'm hard on myself and like, you will never be harder on me than me. And during COVID and I was like, well, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> why would I, why is that a good thing? Right. Uh -huh. Because who am I expecting to be easier on me than me? Right. Like you can still hold goals. You can still be ambitious. You can still hold yourself accountable and you should, but you also, if like, you're not willing to give yourself grace, then why would anyone else? Yeah. Right. And so I think that was really kind of the big turning point for me where I was like this motto that I had in my head for most of my life is not serving me, right? Especially in this moment where we're under so much stress and whatever. And I, and I kept telling myself, like, it could be worse, right? Like your family's healthy. You have a job. Like when everything was like really going, you know, down the tube yeah. there in 2020, I like felt I had this like massive amount of guilt that like I was like kind of depressed or I was kind of just like struggling in general. And I didn't feel like I had a right to because mm. I still had my job. I didn't have to worry about, you know, how to pay the bills. I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, an autoimmune disease that that if I get COVID, it could kill me. Right. Like there were like so many things that I didn't have to worry about that I saw you know, and all the reports and, and just with friends or whatever that other people had to worry about. So me feeling bad at the time, I just felt guilty for doing so because I was like, what, like, I felt like I didn't have the right to. Hmm. And, you know, I think that really led to that where I was just like, well, well, hold on. <laughs> like, that's not fair either. Right. Like, I mean, as long as you have perspective that it, it can be worse, it doesn't mean that you can't have like feel what you're feeling and you can't, you know, need your own kind of care in order to get yourself out of that. It's, so it really was, I think, um, a much needed lesson. And honestly, I think it couldn't have come at a perfect time if I'm about to become a mother because God knows, <laughs> God knows mothers need to give themselves so much grace yes. and not be hard on themselves. And I can't even imagine if I was still in the old mindset and then trying to be a first time mom, like no way. Yeah. So, so how has this shift in mindset affected kind of your daily interaction with other people? Yeah. Ex well, I would say quite a bit because, um, now that, uh, so I didn't rush back to work. I'm, I'm not working right now, uh, which is extremely uncomfortable for me because I've been working since I was 15 years <laughs> old. So like the whole idea of not having a job is really weird. Yeah. Um, so I'm not working. I'll, I'll go back after 
you know, I have the baby. I'm not, not doing, I respect stay at home moms so much, but, uh, that's not me. My I wife said the that. same thing. She's like, I'm not that person. I, it's not, I'm just not. Yeah, like, yeah, it's okay. I'm not. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you like, it's great if you can. And you know what, as a woman, it's like, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you <laughs> don't. Right. If you stay at home, people are like, you're lazy. It's a vacation, whatever. If you go back to work, you're selfish. Like, so whatever, right. just do what works for you. Yeah. But, um, I'm not going to be a stay at home mom, but I was like, I'm also not going to start a brand new job. You know, I'm, I, I am at a, at a higher level at work right now. So in my career. So I'm like, I'm not starting a new job when I'm in like my second trimester. And I don't know, you know, like that's just disruptive. It's legally I can, but it's yeah. disruptive for like how I work that I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to wait. And in the meantime, um, you know, at first I really struggled with that decision to wait. Like I was like looking for like part-time roles. And my husband was like, are you doing this because you want to and because you're bored or are you doing this because you feel like you have to? And he's like, because he's like, I just like, why are you applying for this stuff? All right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I, part of it was, I felt, I felt guilty for putting the added financial pressure on him. I also felt guilty for like having free time, right? Like as a, as an elder millennial, we're like, it's like our worth is based on our productivity. And like, I, I literally felt guilty for having a day where I was like, I don't like, I'm not going to do anything today. Yeah. Um, and so I had to kind of really get over that hump first, but now, um, you know, I'm, 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 close. I'm getting a lot closer now. All of a sudden I have a lot more to do, but I'm working with like a career coach. I'm still keeping myself somewhat busy I'm working with a career coach. I'm doing my podcasts. Um, but in terms of relationships with people, I think the thing that I noticed the most, this is the first time I haven't worked. I also feel like I'm, you know, going through kind of a, no, no, none of my friends are pregnant. Um, and in fact, none of my friends in Chicago even have kids. Mm. Um, so it, it got to the point at the end of the second trimester where I, I did start getting a little depressed and like a little feeling of isolation, um, because it just felt like no one, like I didn't have a community that understood what I was going through and, I think that that was kind of a big lesson. Like I, I have great friends and, and I love them and they're not, you know, they're very supportive even though they don't have kids. But I realized that that's actually not enough. Like it's actually really important to have a community that truly is going through what you're going through in order to, to kind of evade that, that self isolation that happens. Um, and so I think I've been just really conscious over the last couple, I don't know, what am I, seven months pregnant? Yeah. So last like four months, um, I've been a lot more conscious on what do I need um, mentally uh, to just stay in a positive place? And, and what does that mean for my relationships? And in some cases, that means pulling back. Mm. Um, from relationships that do not leave me in a positive mental place. Um, and in some places, 
that means maybe asking, like actually asking for what I need, which is sometimes also really difficult. Um, and then in other places, really just, or maybe I should say all places, setting boundaries, right? Yes. Um, which is also difficult sometimes. So it's just a lot of, again, prioritizing, like, what do I need so that I can show up and be the best for those around me? But also sometimes that means I actually, I need to take a break and I actually can't be what you need right now. Right. And, and that's, that's okay too. Have, have other people told you about this shift in your mentality or have expressed their ideas about it or thoughts related to it? No, it was definitely something I kind of um, started noticing in myself. Mm. And I, um, my husband and I have talked about it, especially over the last couple of years, like as we were, it really started coming up more as we were wedding planning through mm -hmm. COVID. And, you know, we had to cut our list down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And as we were making those changes, the conversation came up a lot and he's much better at boundary setting than I am. Um, so it came up a lot of like, if you don't really want this person, then don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, it sounds so easy, but right. like it, when it's like family and not like, you know, my immediate family, sure. but especially like the extended family, like, like we had a Christmas party in December and it was with like the only, I said it was like a Facebook invite. Cause my family like still plans everything on Facebook <laughs> and, um, and it, like the only people going were aunts and uncles that I have really had no desire to see. Yeah. And I was like, cause I, cause they're just, they just bring like toxicity. And I was like, oh, like, I want to see my brother because my brother's hosting it, but I don't really want to see anyone else that's there. Yeah. And my husband was like, so don't go. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, I can't just not go <laughs> to the family Christmas party. Like I just, I can't just not. And he was like, if you're not going to enjoy going, <laughs> like just respond no. <laughs> and so then I, so I did, I responded no. Yeah. And then my brother asked why I wasn't going. And a, like, I so wanted to like make up a bullshit excuse, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I so wanted to make up like, oh, well we had another party or like we were gonna be out of town or like whatever it is. Um, but then I was like, no, you know what? Fuck it, right? Yeah. I was like, you know what, Dave? I'm like, I'm not coming cause I don't want to see uncle yeah. blank and aunt blank. Like, cause I, I have no desire. I have no desire to, to sit with them for the night. And I was like, but I would love to see you and the kids and would love to plan a different night for us to hang out together. And I was like, Whoo, that felt that really good. It got good to <laughs> like, Jennifer. <laughs> like afterwards I was like, yes, like that felt great. And so then I think it's like, just the more you do it, I guess then, yeah, it yeah. starts getting like a little easier, but, um, but yeah, sometimes like, the mental part is so much harder than the physical part, right? Yes. It, it really is. Yes. Um, and I'm learning a lot. I feel like while I've been 
sorry, I have like pregnancy hiccups. So there's okay. It's all good. <laughs> um, so I feel like the last couple months, it's just been really me taking time just to like learn about myself and learn about that mental aspect. Um, including things like, like I recently learned about like matrescence, mm. um, which is this, uh, it's literally the mental shift from being a non-mother to a mother mm-hmm. that is equivalent in its extent to adolescence because it's hormonal, uh, physical and mental. And, you know, as I was reading all of these books about physically what happens and I was feeling this isolation and kind of this, you know, shift mentally, it really got me thinking like what everyone talks about when you become a mother and you know, you're going to be tired and you're going to be breastfeeding and you're going to like, you know, do all these things. But I'm like, but none of it really talks about like the actual mental shift of adding that title of mother and like, what, what does that do? Yeah. And so I kind of came across this matrescence, which is the shift of identity tonight. It's an, it's basically like an identity crisis. Um, and then it lasts for like the first year, like from pregnancy through the first year of having a child. And it's like stuff like that. I just find absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And, and to be honest, things that I think our society, you know, the other thing that I'm learning is like when you have a kid, when you're pregnant, it's all about you. Right. Which is great. Um, but then the second you have the kid, it's like, who cares? Like it's about the kid (laughs) and you need to focus on the kid and you you just need to like suck it up or whatever and like be a good mom. And that means being a good mom means like forgetting about yourself and focusing on the child. (laughs) And And I think like, as I've been going through this, I've been using my new boundary setting skills and I've been using like all of these things, um, to really be like, no, you know what? Like postpartum is not just learning how to take care of child. It's also learning how to take care of me in that moment and being very vocal in what I need and mentally, physically, everything. Um, so yeah, I think the mental part is the hardest part, but I think, I also think it's just like the most fascinating. It is the most fascinating. And funny enough, like people care less about your kids, the older they get, believe me. <laughs> They're like, as long as they start yeah. becoming like humans, regular humans right. are like, oh, anyways, uh, you're starting to behave. I, like I also just think that my husband and I were just talking about that the other day. We were like, I'm just so excited to see her like develop. Yeah. Right. Like, when, I mean, when they come out, they know nothing. They know nothing. Mm-hmm. Like they can't even see fully. You can't, they're like not even fully formed mm-hmm. really compared to like when a giraffe gives birth and the giraffe right. runs away like mm-hmm. 10 minutes later. The horse, yeah. They can't do anything. Um, they can't even see color yet. And and it's like you, you come out of this body into this like where every single sound and taste and and what you hear and everything is brand new at all times at all times and and then we like complain that they cry of course they cry you know how <laughs> terrifying that would be <laughs> like that is 
terrifying. Um, so it's like, of course they cry all the time because, you know, we're so used to it. They're not. But then it's like to just see them develop these things that we take for granted on a, on a regular basis. And then, and then to see them turn into little humans and have personalities mm-hmm. and have opinions and like cognitive thinking where they're like problem solving. And yeah. like, I just, I think it's just, I cannot wait. I think it's going to be such like, it's like the ultimate reality TV show that like <laughs> you get a front row seat uh, to all of it. Yeah. I'm at a fun age, like I'm about 11. Where oh, yeah. your child is like a person person. They're they a person. have very strong opinions about things, but they're also incredibly naive at the same time. Right. And they're starting to yeah. look like an adult a little bit. It's wild. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's wild. And my niece is 11. Yeah. It's wild. And, it's funny, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy. And like this weekend, she was talking about. I don't know why this came up, but we were talking about like all gender bathrooms. <laughs> grandma, grandma brought it up. I was like, oh, we sh- this is not something we should be talking <laughs> about. Um, but grandma brought it up oh, okay. and um, and she had a lot of opinions on the subject. Yeah. And I was happy to see they aligned with my opinion. <laughs> but um, no, but it was interesting because it's like it's it's this hotly debated yeah. for whatever reason topic right. um and this little 11 year old was very much in the conversation mm-hmm. and you know and is actually experiencing it firsthand because yes. schools are having to make decisions that's right. and things that's right? right so um or like my nephew who's eight was asking me he's like can only girls have babies yeah and I was like, well, I'm like, you know, in today's world, that's a, that's actually a more complicated question yeah. than like it used yeah. to be. Right. And so I was like, how do I like explain this to an eight-year-old without, you know, like with it being eight-year-old appropriate? And I was like, um, I was like, well, you need a, you need certain parts to have, to have a yeah, baby. Of course. You may not consider yourself a female or a male uh or you may consider yourself either but you but you do need some physical organs yeah in order to have a like birth a baby and he's like oh so you mean like when people are confused about what gender they are (laughs) i love that they're having this conversation it's great i'm like um sure like well you know what we'll (laughs) leave it at that for now like i'm not gonna (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> I also was like, I don't know what your pa- how your parents feel sure. about the subject. So I'm yeah. not trying to like put my opinions on it. <laughs> but I was like, um, I was like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Sure. I was like, but so, you know, but you need the facts are and I and I feel like that's what I'm starting to lean into because these kids, they do they, they have so much. They know so much more than we think they, they do. do. They do. And so I just like lean into the facts and then like let them kind of make their opinions from there yeah that's gonna be fun for you honestly it's gonna be fun like my daughter's like been a massive drag queen fan since she was like two or three years old like obsessed like obsessed obsessed with drag queen she watched rupaul's drag oh yeah all this stuff (laughs) 
And I just think it's amazing. I just think it's fun. Hilarious. It's hilarious. But she's like so into it. It's not like it. we were pushing it here or there. She's just like totally into it. I just want to you know, I just want to be a supportive parent, you know, encouraging, 100%. you know, it's your life. It's not my life, really. I mean, I'm just yeah. guiding you <clears throat> and trying. First of all, in the beginning, you're trying to keep your kid from killing himself, him or herself. Right. <laughs> They're always alive. touching everything and they have yeah. no like survival instinct. Zero. Right. You're like, OK, I'm just trying to keep you alive. And then yeah. after that, that kicks in. It's just you're, you're guiding the ship. You know, it's kind of. Yeah. You're just like, just figure, figure it out. Here we go. Ask uh, questions, you know, <laughs> like. I think like the funniest question I ever got, actually five year old from my other niece, five year old, we were coloring. Nothing special. She goes, Aunt Jen, how come some boys like boys? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how that just came up. <laughs> we're yeah. Like we're literally coloring like Barbie dolls. That's things how they or think, like my little Jennifer. pony. That's how they but think. I'm like, and it's at five, at five mm -hmm. years old. And I was like, well, and then I was like, I think my answer was, I was like, well, God makes everybody different. Mm -hmm. And just like, some boys like boys, some girls like girls and some girls like boys. Yeah. And then she was like, I was in my mind, I was like, please do not ask me to elaborate. <laughs> do not ask me other questions. And then she was like, okay. And like went yeah. back to coloring and I was like, all right, pass that one. Pass and it's it. like, that's, I think going to be the tough part. Like, like what's the craziest question? But like your kid has asked you. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I think a lot of that stuff, like sex-based questions, is like the biggest. And they ask like five-year-old super early, gender-based questions. Um, I remember one they time. See it and yeah, they, they don't see understand it. it. My daughter goes. She goes. She goes. Dad, do you and mom have sex? And I'm like, yeah, we do. And she goes, Oh my god, this is incredible. <laughs> like, it's just like. You look forward to you're that. You're like, okay? that's also why you're here. Yeah. I'm like, do we, yeah, it does. Yes, we do. She's like, oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. I didn't think so. But wow. It's like, <laughs> like, why do you not think like we're very open? I'm like, yeah, well, let's yeah. talk about it. Let's OK, let's, you know. Yeah. But that's the thing I think what's interesting is like if like we're so worried about like what other people are teaching our kids and stuff like that. But like the kids want to know. Like they want to know right. early, like they're going to ask. They're gonna ask. You cannot escape it. And they're all pivotal points in their life. Your right. answer give, is going to create a ricochet It's going right. to create an imprint on them of what they think it is. This so is right. like no pressure. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you're either going to raise like an a-hole or yeah, like exactly. um, yeah, Can you imagine. I mean, some people are it's, telling their kids crazy shit. Seriously. Oh, crazy oh I know. Right. <laughs> I know. Because we've already also had the conversation about like, okay, things that we will not allow our family members to say in front of our children. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there will be some boundaries set on There's that a list. element as well. <laughs> There's a list. <laughs> it is well defined. Um, and things that I have heard come out of their mouths. So... Um, yeah, it's definitely like, I, like, for example, I bought, um, we're definitely in the new parent stage where we buy things that we won't need anytime soon. <laughs> they're cute, right. So we were in the store and I saw this and they didn't have this when we were, when we were kids, they had this little crayon thing it has 18 crayons and it is purely skin tones. Yeah. 
And I was like, I love this. Like, this is so smart. I wish we had this when I was a kid. And really for us, like my husband's Colombian. I'm obviously not. <laughs> we don't, you know, we don't know what, you know, if she's, I, I, I immediately thought ahead. I'm like, if she draws a picture of our family, she is going to need a variety of colors, right? And this is such a great, like, learning tool, right? Where she uses this, then she can ask, like, why are there 18 colors? And then you're like, well, there's a lot of different skin tones and all skin tones are beautiful. And right, like, that's just like a perfect learning moment. So I was so excited. I bought this $12 thing of 18 crayons, which is like ridiculous. But (laughs) I bought it. So I'm explaining it to my boomer parent. <laughs> great. And she's like, why do you need that? And I was like, well, and I told her exactly what I just said. I was like, it's so great. Like, you know, blah, blah. And she's like, well, that doesn't make sense. She's like, you're supposed to tell them that you don't see color. And I was like, mm, oh, no, no, that was, that was <laughs> like the nineties. That's what we were told. <laughs> I was like, well, we've moved past that now. Yes. Um, and now we we do and we celebrate them. And and it was just this just disconnect of like yeah. I not computing like in her brain of like why that matters. And it's like, <laughs> and there's so many people that are still teaching their kids exactly. that or God forbid worse. Um And, you know, so it's definitely, yeah, like thinking about how do I, how do I not force my views and let them create their own, but how do I also make sure I don't raise a jerk? (laughs) It's always the worry. Yeah. Like, like... we've all met those people and I'm like, how do I avoid my kid turning out like bad? You're right. You know, when you see it, you're like, (laughs) oh no, something happened. It, it was bad. Something happened. <laughs> and you look at the parents, yeah, you're like, like, that was it. <laughs> like, if that was my kid. I would be so embarrassed. Like, how <laughs> do I not make that mistake? And it could be like just crappy beliefs or they're just like rude or they're yeah. like, I mean, there's so many things and you like see them and you're like, how do I not raise an asshole? Yeah. You know, the rudeness like part, the rudeness part is a big thing because I see a lot of parents who like don't correct their children or tell them, hey, this is how you act in this place or say please and thank you. A lot of people actually don't do that with their kids anymore. It's really bad, actually. So, so then you wonder why they're not courteous to people yeah. and insensitive to things, you know, like it starts with yeah. you. You are literally think about it this way. They, if if an alien landed on Earth and they knew right. nothing of our planet, like, it's basically like a baby. What is this? Exactly. What is this? What is this design? What is how does this they'd have questions? Your child is like a they came from another planet in your womb into this planet. Yep. They're like, how does this work? And then somebody yeah. tells like, them, I need you to tell me. <laughs> tell how me, it works. how does this work? Yeah. And you're right. It's like, and it's, it's everything. And yeah, it, it drives me crazy when people yeah. don't teach them stuff like that. Cause you're like, cause then it's so obvious. It's, it's so obvious. obvious. <laughs> so- and you're just like, well, or I think even worse when they teach them it, but then they don't, they don't actually do it themselves. Right. And I think yeah. that that's also the big, you know, 
that's also another just massive problem because yeah. it's like your your kid is smarter than that. Like Way you can smarter. say it all you want, but if you're not practicing what you preach, then it what you're saying is going to go in one ear and out the other, as yeah. as it should, because they're also looking, they're watching you when you don't know. Oh uh, yeah, they are paying <laughs> attention to everything, and like you need to lead by example. Completely. It's, it's a huge thing. I just think the magnitude of it. See, that's my whole thing with like um, for us personally, with just having one child is like the magnitude of this was overwhelming to me. Yeah. And I just honestly, we just, just didn't want to go back to it again. That's the honest truth. Right. I'm fairly selfish about it. Uh, my wife is too. It's like I has other things I wanted to do. And I know if I went yeah. down this road several times, I'm going to sacrifice other things. Yeah. And I know I can give energy for this one. I know I could do, but I would refuse to be in a situation where one child raises another child. That happens all the time. That's bullshit, by the way, complete horseshit. And you're not doing your kid any favor by doing Mm -hmm. that to them. It's just, oh, just let the other ones do it. Like, really? You want to be an indentured servant? I mean, you're only like, (laughs) what do you think this is? Like, they don't have a choice in it. I totally agree. (laughs) I I think that they, the just pure responsibility oh. of parenthood, I think nine times out of 10 is not, is not something people take as seriously as, as they should. Right. And, you know, to me, when I say like, we only want one kid and, and it sounds like you feel the same way. It's like, that's me being responsible. It's responsibility. Because, because I know that this is a massive undertaking. Like you can have a spoiled jerk dog and it's not going to be that. Like we have a very spoiled French bulldog. Yeah. She's a pain <clears throat> in my ass. But, <laughs> but like, what's she going to do? Like who's she really impacting? Right. Like there's no expectations for her to like contribute to society, right? Like she's, she's fine. She's no. going to the dog park and maybe she doesn't want to play that day. With other <laughs> dogs. Who cares? But like uh... with, with humans, like humans impacts so much around them that it is up to you. And that is a huge, and, it, and I totally agree with you. It's like so overwhelming. It's like exciting yeah. that I'm like, Ooh, I can, like I have the opportunity to create a good person Yes, that's going to like do good. And that's right. going to like help write the sinking ship. It feels like right now. Right. And um, I'm also going to have to explain why it's sinking. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, but like I have that opportunity and that is a huge responsibility and yeah doing that multiple times it's like i i do also still have goals in life and i and I <laughs> that's do what i'm saying you <laughs> have like other things that like and and if i and by the way if i ignore that i probably actually won't raise the next one that well yeah. right like because mentally I'm, I'm not gonna be at my best right yeah. so it's like i don't think that that's but it, it goes back to it's not about you it's about the kid mm-hmm. now Right. And, and that whole just mentality needs to change. It's actually, it's actually not because we have whole generations that are raised by people like that, that put their, that were really pressured to put the kid first above themselves. Right. And I don't feel like that's worked out so well. Exactly. So it's time to like change it up a little bit. This is the real talk here. You're getting the real talk. talk. And if you're in your twenties or like early thirties having a kid, like I think I do think that's the benefit of having them older 
yeah. a little bit because you, you have like more formed. That's right. Yourself beforehand versus like changing with the kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, that can get a little dicey. It can be dicey. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But Jennifer, I got to tell you, this was, this was incredible. I mean, I just, I just love how you communicate how you feel about things. It's very direct, but it's also mm -hmm. kind at the same time. And it's good for people <laughs> to hear that you, you could exist like that and not just yeah. be a massive asshole and be direct right. or just be like passively aggressive or just be hands off. You yeah. have like a nice combination of all these things. It's Thank actually you. beautiful. I, I think you're, you're going to be a great mom. I think I had to learn that. Yeah. You're going to be a great mom. I feel it. I feel it. Ah, that's my, that's my hope. We'll, we'll see. I guess we'll find out soon. Well, you know, the proof's going to be, it's going to happen. We're going to see. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. The first person that calls my kid an asshole, we're going to know that if I did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Please tell everyone how they could connect with your podcast and you in general whole thing. Yeah. Sure. So you can find me on my website is my almost midlife crisis. Um, and then my, that's obviously the podcast name as well. So you can find my almost midlife crisis pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. And then I'm also on social media under that handle on like YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, yeah. Instagram. So beautiful. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate thank you for it. Having me. Of course.